Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Who's got their Bible with them? Come on, open your Bible. I want to um, continue um, in a story that, that we began this morning. I want to continue uh, reading. And uh, I'm not going to preach for long. How many know he says that every week? Shut up. Open your, uh, open your Bibles to uh, Judges. We're looking, this morning we began looking at the story, uh, the story of Gideon. And, uh, and it's such a powerful um, story. There's so much in it that we can take out of the story and be encouraged by. Gideon um, was someone uh, that was under, he was, he was, uh, he was with, uh, the angel of the Lord spoke to Gideon and found Gideon, the Bible says, threshing wheat in a wine press. It was someone at that time, they were under incredible oppression. They were, uh, the Midianites had been stealing from them, robbing from them. And the angel of the Lord came and spoke a word of encouragement over Gideon and declared, even though he wasn't walking in it, the Bible says that the word of the Lord came and was declared over Gideon to say, you're a mighty man of valour. As if to say, even though you're not walking in this right now, I see where you're going to go and I see what you're called to do. And, and, he, and he declares that over him. And then as the story goes on, Gideon chooses, and you can read it later, but Gideon chooses through direction from God very specifically, 300 men to go with him into this battle against the Midianites. And what happens is as he gets these 300 men, the scholars say that the Midianites at this point are probably a few hundred thousand people in their army. And you have on the other side, you have Gideon with just 300. How many know the odds are always good if God is on your side? So there's Gideon and 300, but they got the hand of the Lord upon them. And the Bible says in this story, and I want to pick it up because what happens is it says in Judges chapter 9, as we read this story, this is just before they go into battle. And it said it happened on the same night that the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have delivered it. Into your hand. Notice God didn't say, For I'm about to deliver it into your hand. The Bible says, I want you to go down. God said to Gideon, I want you to go down there and I want you to walk in such a way like you know the battle is already won. How many know God has already run the battle for each and every one of us? That we need to walk in the victory that He's already won. He says, Go down, for I've delivered it. Into your hands. I've already done it. The work is done. The work is finished. The battle is won. I just need you to walk in the victory that's already yours. In verse 10, he says, But, but if you are afraid to go down, see, God knows Gideon's tendency. Because Gideon was a dude that had a tendency to get freaked out. That's why he was hiding in a wine press. He had a tendency. Remember, we, we read it this morning, but when God called him, he kept asking for a sign because he was so scared. 
And God says to him, but if you're afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Pura, your servant, and you shall hear what they say. And afterward, your hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. What happens is in this story is, and, and for sake of time, I'm just going to tell you. You can read it later. But God says to Gideon, go down to the camp. Take your buddy with you. So he takes his buddy with him and they go down to the camp. And the Bible says that when he goes down to the camp, it says they get to the camp and it says the camp of the Midianites is as far, the Bible says, as far as the eye can see. That's the battle that's facing them. And it's an interesting story because it says that go down, he says, go down to the camp. And he goes down to the camp and he overhears. He sneaks up to the camp and two of the Midianites are talking. And one of them wakes the other one and he says, bro, he says, I had a dream last night. And he starts to tell him of what this dream was. And he said, it was a dream that these barley loaves came down into our camp and over, they rolled over our camp and overturned our tent and we all perished. This is what he says in the dream. And his buddy says to him, you know what this means? This means, this represents what Gideon is about to do for us. So they are freaking out. The great thing about what I love about this story is Gideon overhears this and Gideon gets this burst of energy and this burst of faith. Why? Because what God has done through this is God knows that Gideon's a little bit fearful. And he says, you know what? In order to help you deal with the fear that you're facing and that you're battling, I want you to see yourself through the enemy's perspective. See, we talk a lot about seeing ourselves through God's perspective. And there's merit, there's something great in that. There's merit to that. Seeing ourselves the way God sees us. Seeing ourselves as a victor, seeing ourselves as a champion, seeing the destiny that's upon our life. These are the way that God sees you. But I want to tell you that you can, yes, be encouraged by that, but you can also be encouraged by seeing yourself the way the enemy sees you. Because when the enemy looks at you, the enemy does not see you, but he sees the God that's alive and living inside of you. If you had a perspective of the way in which the devil looks at you, I want to tell you the devil's talking about you with other devils in hell every time you wake up in the morning. If you're a Bible-believing Christian that stands on the Word of God and, and believes that God is for you, then you've got to understand that the devil's talking about you. The devil's talking, they're talking, they're, they're talking about some young people here tonight. You have to understand that you, when you believe that God has called you to do great things and you make that decision that you're going to walk in your calling, you have to understand that hell is threatened by you. The devil doesn't want you to step up into your calling. He's incredibly intimidated by you. He doesn't like it when you declare the Word of God. He doesn't like it when you show up to prayer meetings. He doesn't like it when you make a decision that you're not just going to play church. In fact, he'll do anything he possibly can to try and stop 
you being what God has called you to be. I love about this story that God knows this about Gideon and says, listen, man, listen, before you go into battle, I want you to see the way the enemy sees you. I want you to see because I know, see, God knew Gideon's tendency to operate in fear. And he said, listen, we need to deal with this. You got to see that the enemy is freaking out over you. And he says, when you see it, when you get this perspective, it's a different perspective. Sometimes the enemy sees us stronger than we see ourselves. He says, when you get, because the Bible says that when Gideon heard this, heard him talking about him, he went down there freaking out. But then he heard these dudes talking and he realized, I got the jump on these guys. He realized, I got them on the back foot already. He realized these guys are already freaking out. And the Bible says that his hands, it says his hands were strengthened. When you understand the perspective, the way in which hell looks at you, there's a strength that you get in your spirit saying, you almost puff your chest out a bit saying, you know what? Maybe I am pretty powerful. You know what? Maybe the God that's in me is bigger than the devil that's in the world around me. You know what? Maybe this thing is right. Maybe, maybe I'm going to take some ground for the God, for the kingdom of God. Maybe, maybe I'm going to step into this. It says that his hands. His hands were strengthened. And the Bible goes on to say in this story that as Gideon begins to listen, he listens to this dream. And it's an interesting dream. It sounds, initially it sounds a bit weird because the guy says, he says that I saw barley loaves, barley loaves rolling down into into our campsite. The Midianite was talking like this, rolling down into the campsite. What does the barley loaves represent? Barley loaves, when it talks of barley loaves, this is not proper leavened bread. This, is, this, this represents the poverty that the Israelites were living in. Barley loaves, they represent, it was a lowly thing. It was something that the poor people had. Barley loaves, it was just roasted dough. It wasn't something that was, it didn't represent blessing. It represented poverty. It represented lack. For the Midianites, it, it was, it, 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 for, the, for the Israelites rather, it represented what they didn't have. Because the Bible, for earlier on in the story, and we looked at it this morning, it talked about how often the Midianites used to rob and, and steal the seed that the Israelites had been planting. So the seed had been so stolen from them that they were just left with barley loads. This, this represents all that they had left. This represents the last little bit of Blessing, if you like, that they had. This represented the last resort. But isn't it interesting that in this dream, God used their last resort to get the victory over the Midianites. I want to tell you, church, there's, 
power in using what you've got left. When the enemy has come through and you feel like the enemy has taken every single thing from you, I wanna tell you there's a faith and there's a prayer and there's a praise. It might feel like it's not much, but sometimes when you take just what you got left, God will come because the Bible says that it's our, it's our weakness that His strength prevails. Come on, how many know is something powerful when we bring just, it's just that last little bit. Have you ever been in that place where it's just, it's just the last, the last little prayer that you got left? When you feel like you're up against it, when you feel like you don't know where to turn, when you feel like the enemy's just come through and hit you from every possible angle. But the last thing you can do is get on your knees before God and say, Lord, I need a fresh touch from you today. I want to tell you, church, it's often that last prayer is the one that will break you through. It's that last praise that will give you that victory. It's the last little thing that breaks you through. When the devil hits you, you've still got a praise yet. When the devil buries you, you've still got a prayer left. The Bible says, let the weak say, I am strong. When the enemy has taken everything, God will use what you've got left. Is anyone here that's got something left? Just the last little bit of praise. Come on, give him tonight just that last, that last little bit of praise. This says I'm down, but I'm not out, devil. I've taken some hits, but I still got a little bit of praise in me yet. God will use, God will use just that little bit. Sometimes you got to go with what you just got left. I love the story in 2 Kings 7. It's the story of four lepers. And if you know the story, it's a, it's a story of four, uh, four lepers. And it talks about when the Syrian army was coming up against Samaria at the time. And they were surrounded. The Syrian army had surrounded, surrounded Samaria at the time. And they'd done it for so long that Samaria was in such incredible famine. Incredible brokenness. And the story goes, it talks about it of four lepers that were sitting at the gate to the city. And the Bible says that these four lepers, it says they couldn't go in the city because of their leprosy. But the Syrian army were all around outside of the city. So these guys had to just be, these guys chose to be just, just beside the gate. The Bible says, if you look, it says the famine was so bad that people were eating dove droppings. I think droppings is the nicest way to say it. It's going to say something else, but I won't. I'll probably get in trouble. Dove droppings. And I think from memory, donkey's heads. It says they were in so much. Come on, you know when things are bad, when you're cooking up. Come on, for dinner, you're crushing a donkey's head and dove droppings. You thought your, well, you thought last night's dinner was bad. Listen, this is bad. Men, don't look at your wives. And the Bible says that 
these four lepers, they're sitting there and it says that they're, they're, they're in such poverty. They're in such brokenness. It says that while they were sitting there, they said, we may as well. They said, we've got nothing left. We, if we stay here, we're going to die. So these, these lepers, I love these dudes. They get up and they start heading to the enemy's camp. They take, listen, they're at the bottom of the barrel. It doesn't get much worse. And they start heading to the enemy's camp. But the Bible says it's an incredible story. You can go and look at it later. The Bible says that these men, it says as they're walking to the camp, while they're walking to the camp, it says that the, the Lord over the Syrian army, the Lord made it sound like there was a noise of chariots and a noise of horsemen coming toward the Assyrian army. And the Syrians freaked out. They didn't know that it was just four measly lepers that had nothing left coming towards them. They thought it was a whole battle coming towards them. So when they heard this noise, that the Syrian army, they take off and the four lepers show up. The Syrian army are gone. All the food's there. All the spoils are there. They steal their food, their clothing and everything and take it back to camp. This is the point to the story. When these men made a decision that we're not going to stay here, we're going to go with just the little bit we have and we're going to head somewhere. We're not just staying with the little bit and just going to wallow in the little bit. We're going to get up and take what we got and just go head towards our enemy. And all the while they were walking, God was working for them. And when they got there, the battle had been already won. Church, I want to tell you something powerful when you take just that little bit that you got. There's something powerful when you feel like you've taken it, you've been hit from every possible angle, but you still make that decision. Like these lepers said, you know what? We're not, not staying here. Let's go. See, what we do is too often we say, God, if you show, I'll go. But God says, if you go, I'll show. See, these Syrian dudes, that they, they, these, these lepers rather, they, didn't, they had no idea what was waiting, that, that, that they were about to walk in victory. But all the while that they were on their way there, God went in front of them. How many know that God goes before you? Bible says He goes before you and He makes a way where there seems to be no way. If you go, He'll show. It reminds me, I think I shared this, I think I shared this, this analogy the very first time I preached here years and years ago. But it's an analogy that I think paints a picture of what faith looks like. Years ago, I went skydiving. It's not the, the smartest thing to do, um, but I, I went with this buddy who's a little bit crazy. And so we got in a plane and we flew up. But before we went skydiving, before we go and do it, we wanted, because I wanted to do that, you know, there's two ways to do skydiving. You can jump out tandem, what they call where you're strapped to another person. Um, and I didn't want to do that because it's, it's, it's pretty uncomfortable jumping out of an aeroplane, falling through the air, let alone doing it strapped to another man. You know, that's just awkward. <laughs> and so I said, to, I said, listen, can we, can I do the skydiving by myself? The guy said, sure. He says, we need to train you though. We need to teach you on, on how to pull the cord and everything. So I said, cool, let's do it. So we, so we go through this training. 
they teach me how to do all these different things, you know, jump out and, and, and you, know, or, you know, you've got this little thing on your wrist that tells you how high you are in the air and all of this stuff. And we go through tra- two days of training, two days of training. We get to the end of the training and the guy's like, okay, we're finished. Now we're about to head. We're heading to the aeroplanes. And everyone's like pumped. But I was like, excuse me. We haven't practiced the parachute opening. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, we've done two days of training. You've taught me about everything else. I learned about aeroplanes. I learned about little zip-up jumpsuit onesies. I learned about helmets. I don't know on what planet jumping out of a plane wearing a helmet makes you feel any better than not wearing a helmet. Like think it's not like I'm going to be falling through the air thinking I'm going to die. I'm going to die if my chute doesn't open. I'm going to die. I'm going to... Oh no, it's okay. I've got a helmet on. It's all right. I'm going to be okay. I'm just going to make sure I land on my head and everything's going to be all right. I said, bro, I said, we didn't practice the parachute opening. I said to him, I don't plan. I'm not like a... a, a skydiving expert, but that would seem to me to be a pretty important part of the whole equation, the whole scenario. He said this to me. He said, no, we cannot practice the parachute opening. I said, what do you mean? He said, the parachute is designed to open with the release and the pressure of the upward wind as you're falling through the air. So he said, we're not going to know your chute is going to open What? Until you jump. I wanted to jump him at that point. I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, if we just put the parachute on the ground and pull the ripcord, nothing's going to happen. But you don't know that chute's going to open until you jump. And when you jump, it's the jumping that releases the chute. How many know that Well, sometimes we got Christians that are waiting in the training ground of life saying, God, I want you to show up. And when you show up, I'm going to jump. And God says, no, no, no. When you jump and you go with what you've got, I'm going to show up and I'm faithful and I won't leave you down. I believe God's telling someone here tonight that it's time for you to stop. Stop holding back. Stop worrying about what you're up against and jump and go and God's going to show up. Give God praise right now. If you believe that He's not going to leave you hanging, that your God's faithful. You got to go. You got to go with what you got. You got to step out. Saying, God, I don't have a lot. I just got a little bit of prayer left. Step out and believe. I just got a little bit of faith. It's good because it only takes a mustard seed. Step out and believe. Last little bit of the story. Keys and come. It says in. It says that when they go, this is a battle. This is a, this is a big battle. They're stepping. Three hundred dudes. We we read this story, and some of the the stories in scripture. I think we. We see them so often, we forget of the significance. Have you ever seen those movies? I was watching that movie the, the other week of, of, I think it's called Troy. It shows some of these battle scenes. 
You're talking a few hundred thousand warriors, fighting men. Then you got Gideon. I said it this morning in Australia, we would call Gideon a chicken. I don't know if you use that term here. If you don't, then it just sounds weird. But he was like a scaredy cat. He was a little pansy boy. He was, he was not a fighter. Dude, I don't know if that's bad or not to say. I don't. Normally, well, my wife's here give me a nod or not, but she, she's had to take my son. But He got Gideon. He's freaking out. And 300 dudes. But look at this strategy. They don't even, think about this. And you can look at the story later. They don't even take with them a weapon. Bro, if I was one of those 300 and we were not taking weapons, that would be a great moment to raise your hand and say, "Um, excuse me, question. Why are we going to go no weapons? Bro, I would be going, remember when you were a kid, like when I was a kid, we used to play like war and me and my brother would take like pieces of wood and make the craziest looking weapon. You know what I'm talking about? Bro, I would be finding the most pimped out, hectic, craziest weapon you could find. Bro, like bat with nails, guns, things hanging off, barbed wire, chains, balls on one end. Like I would be like, I'll be that dude. You know what they show up with? Trumpets of praise. Trump, Trumpets of praise. I'll be saying, Gideon, hey, bro, hey, G, come here, listen. There's 300 of us. There's a couple hundred thousand of these jokers. You give me a trumpet, I'm going to slap you with this trumpet. You don't give me something better. You know what Gideon does? He says, okay, here's a trumpet and here's a light. Because, of course, that's going to help. What are we going to do? Shine them to death? Look in it. You won't be able to see. Like, dude, Bible says, go out. Go out onto the battlefield. How many know that sometimes the biggest victories you're going to win in your life, you're going to win them because you had a God strategy? There's a God strategy. You can come up with a good plan. But it's a God strategy that will bring the breakthrough. And some of you are facing situations in your life, in your family. You've tried to look at it from every possible angle. You need a God plan. And a God plan won't always make sense. A God plan will look crazy. It'll look silly. It'll look stupid. It'll look like, how in the heck are you going to do it? But that's why God gives us those type of plans so that when they work, He gets the glory and we don't. And God says to them, listen, I want you to go out onto this battlefield and I want you to break those little lights they had. They were little, little vessels and they would, in it was the, was the torch. He says, take those vessels and take those trumpets. And I want you to walk out on that battlefield 
and I want you to break those vessels. And break, when you break those vessels, the other thing you're going to do is break the vessels and give me a praise with this trumpet. See, there's, some, there's something of an incredibly supernatural victory that you get when you bring God a broken praise. A praise that comes out of brokenness and emptiness before God. That's the type of praise that wins battles. It's not a praise when things are going great and things are cool. That's called a shout and that's awesome. But there's something of a praise that happens out of our brokenness. When we don't know what else to do. When it doesn't make any sense. When we don't understand what's going on. But yet we still make that decision to praise God anyway. Like Job said, though He may slay me, yet will I praise Him. And the Bible says that when they went out, and they broke open those vessels and they started to praise. Check this out. The enemy, they didn't have to take a weapon to the, not one of those enemy. Listen to this for God working on your side. The Bible says that the enemy pulled out their swords and started killing each other. Come on, someone needs to praise God. You know you're on the winning team when the other side is starting to kill each other. You get to sit back and just watch the show. One of the things that I pray, my dad taught me this. I speak confusion into the enemy's plans. I pray it over your families. I speak confusion. That's what it was. Those jokers were confused. They started killing each other. Bro, that would be, can you imagine being out there? You blow that trumpet, blah, blah, they start smoking one another. You're like, hey, we got this. I'll be taking photos, uploading that stuff. Telling you, God's on your side. God's on your side. Give Him praise right now. Come on, I said, give Him praise. Come on, give Him a shout of praise that says, you know what, God's gone before me. Come on, someone praise Him like you know that there's something of an attack happening on your family, but it's not going to prosper. Praise Him like the enemy's been coming for your finances, but He's about to get thrown in so much confusion. Come on, there's a battle that you're called to win. And I want to tell you, God's about to give you a strategy. Right across this room, I want you to raise your hand. Lord, we thank You. God, I feel Your presence. God, I thank You for every person. Thank You for the victory that You've called every person here to walk in. There's a God plan. Heaven has a blueprint, a plan, a strategy for your situation. We declare it now in Jesus Christ's name.
pray for clarity over people right now. Those of you where there's been, there's been a confusion, not knowing what to do, I pray for clarity right now. I declare clarity in the Spirit over every situation represented here. Family situations where it's messy and it's, and it, and it's, it's difficult and people are involved and hurt and feelings and heart issues and things and you don't know what to do. We declare a God strategy, a God plan over that situation right now in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Lord. And we lift you up. Just just begin to declare the name of Jesus right now. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.